Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends? My name is Emily Lang. I'm an actress, writer, singer, codependent, returnee from rock bottom and a gratefully recovering addict. And this is the podcast where we aim to rid the shame. The highs and lows and deadly blows that ultimately led us to the lessons that we never knew we needed to learn, but are so grateful that we did. Milarepa and the Demons Born in the 11th century, Milarepa was the murderer who became a Buddhist monk and had to stand face to face with the horror of his past. Hearing his story is what changed Dr. Linnea's life. How do we face and accept the pain that we feel and have caused? How do we release the shame and the guilt? How do we deal with the demons that are crouched in the corners of our house waiting for us to come home? Dr. Linnea from Heal Your Nervous System and I are discussing all this and more today. Please, please get in touch if you relate to what you hear. You can contact us at either contact at whydoyouthink.com or on Instagram at Emily underscore Lang underscore UK. To have your story read on the podcast, please put Survivor Story either at the top or in the subject line. So it is February 2012. I like to do a little introduction about what was going on that year, but 2012 was a big year because I was utterly utterly convi- like convinced that the world was going to end according to the Mayan, the Mayan prophecy. Really? Oh, con- convinced. Like without a shadow of a doubt, I was like, there we are, here we go. This is it. This is, this is the And I was at drama school and I remember being like, why am I still here? Why am I still here? Was it the, what is the, was it the Maya thing? It was the Mayan, the Mayan prophecy. And I was like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So 2012 was a big year, mainly because when when that day came and went, I was like, 
okay, we're still here. Anyway, that's a segue into what 2012 was like. But in this moment, it is February 2012, and we are walking down Street Milan in the, was it on the outskirts of Milan? Yeah, the outskirts. Yeah. Yeah. The outskirts of Milan. And in this moment, and I'm going to say Dr. Linear, Linear, why do you think you've got no friends? Um, so I was, I mean, I was, I was in a very, very depressed and burned out state. Right. So what happened was that, um, and it, like, it was physically, you know, it, it was just, everything was gray. Everything was depressing. I was just really wondering why should I even go to this meeting? You know, it was a big meeting, but I, I didn't want to go there. So I got this email from um uh, from a like you know a, a tech startup uh, kind of newsletter that I was uh, very involved with and I was really interested in and it was this email it was a guest post from a guy named uh, Jerry Colonna who is a big um you know silicon valley and, and tech startups uh, coach and he he ended up becoming a, a really really good friend of mine uh, so what what happens I was going to say, did you know him before this, before this? Um... No, absolutely not. Like, but, but that email was such a turning point in my life that I, okay. you know. Sorry, I had so, to like, carry on, carry on. So you've got this email. <laughs> and so what happens is, um, essentially th- this, this blog post, uh, it was about leadership, et cetera. But the, the point was that there was the story of Milarepa, uh, this Buddhist monk, who essentially is a Buddhist master. He has this like terrible life. He 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 used to kill people, etc. And then he becomes a monk, a Buddhist master eventually, right? And so he learns to to face his demons instead of chasing them away. And so the story of Milarepa um, begins. You know, he enters his cave um, uh, on the top of a mountain, and and he's attempting to live this life uh, of solitude and contemplation, right? But He's gone out to collect some woods, and when he comes back, he uh, discovers that he has these uh, guests that weren't there before. And it was a, a bunch of scary demons, and they just had taken over his home. And so he's like, you know, what what can I do? He's filled with terror. He's filled with, uh, um, you know, he doesn't know what to do. So the first things, the first thing he does is, is tries to get rid of them. So he goes chasing them, but they really don't care. In fact, they become even fiercer, even more scary. So at this point, he's like, okay, what can I try? So what he does is, let's see if they, maybe they won't listen to me, but if I start teaching them the Dharma, you know, the Buddhist teachings, Maybe they will become compassionate and leave uh, and leave me alone, but that doesn't really work because after a while he's been you know teaching them about the Dharma and and preaching about meditation about you know a life of compassion. The demons are just there; they're just they 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 are completely untouched by his words. They're still there; they're just looking at him. And so, um, he starts looking uh, deep into each each of the demons' eyes he bows to them and says, it looks like we're going to have to be together in this cave. So I bow to whatever teaching you're here to give. And so all of the demons, all of a sudden disappear except for one. So there's this huge demon that is super scary that he's just staying there. He won't leave. So Milarepa goes even further. He 
steps forwards. He gives himself completely to the demon and he puts his head in the demon's mouth and says, eat me if you wish. And that's where the demon bows at him and disappears. And so uh, the big the big thing that I realized at that point was that, you know, trying to fix my situation by doing more uh, or by just feeling, you know, that I have to perform better or do better and, and I will finally be fixed and I will finally be okay. Or trying to, you know, I was very involved in things like, um, um, you know, nonprofit, like trying to do things that sort of try uh, are with with the goal of essentially um, bypassing your suffering. It's actually not going to change anything. So that was a big moment of revelation for me. I think. I feel quite emotional already. I mean, I always get emotional on these chats, but I do feel I do feel very very emotional, mainly because of the um, just the particular facets of that story and how it falls out, um, and the different tactics which he undertakes to be able to battle battle these things, because I think that's a very very familiar familiar thing, and it is often the thing that feels like it's going to work the least that works the best of him going, I accept you. I, what are you here to teach me rather than trying to fight these things off? And I think the, the one that really sticks out to me is the one about trying to teach them that, that really sticks out to me because my therapist said to me recently, and I always know she's right when I get annoyed, <laughs> I always know she's right. When I get upset and don't, and don't want to do it. I know that she's right. Um, as much as I hate it, I'm like, you, you hit the nail on the head there because one thing that she said to me, and it's a very, she said, it's a very particular part of healing that you, that people reach. And I think I'm reaching now where she said, you've got to stop telling telling and trying to teach others, trying to teach your family, trying to, she was basically like, get off your soapbox and stop, stop preaching, stop, stop trying to point it out. Yes, you, 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 you know, you may know, but no one's going to listen. No one's going to listen. One, because it's really annoying when people do that. And also because they don't, they don't want to right now. And this kind of thing of just going, and I know it, it applies to a different part of the, of the story, but this, the acceptance, the acceptance of something is just so, so wonderfully powerful and beautiful. And yeah, yeah releases, releases the fight. And it's not about, because I often, I mean, when my therapist said that to me, my reaction was, I feel like I'm giving in. I feel like I'm I'm giving in if I do that. I'm fighting. And she went, no, 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 no. This is a different kind of, this is a different kind of battle. This is, this is, you know, acceptance and allowing. And it's okay. It's okay. And just, and that, I don't know, this story is just, 
it's so powerful on so many levels. And I just love the fact that the thing about this story is that you were, you were a surgeon at the time you said, and you know, on your way to a publishing meeting and, and all of this. And I love because I, I sort of involved in some things, but often when I get emails from them, I'm like, oh, I delete them straight away. I like, don't even look. And I just love the fact that you got this email and went, what's this? From a guy you didn't even know. And then this story just shot a beam of light through you in this sort of road to Damascus moment of, of, um, of revelation. Um, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. And this is why I'm such a huge believer in a higher power and spiritual intervention, universal intervention, whatever it may be, because that was sent to you at, at the right moment. Um, so when this happened, you were on this way, what was, what were the next movements that followed getting that email? So, um, so, you know, at the time, uh, like I was really in the darkness when it comes to under like, I had no idea, um, about anything. I think, I think what really, um, what, like the whole point of that was stop, stop running from things. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, um, and, and accepting that all the things that you are doing are ways of running away from that idea of radical self-inquiry, which is also a concept that then I, I learned from Jerry at the time. And it's this, you know, this idea of, I'm not looking at things from a place of fixing. I'm looking at, uh, at things from a place of compassion and understanding. That doesn't mean that I'm okay with these things. That doesn't mean that I, you know, I'm just going to say, oh, you know, this is the way it is. And, and I just have to be unhappy and, and, uh, and be anxious and, uh, and feel like no matter what I do, uh, it's not enough. Mm. No, but the first step to going through these things is really accepting them, embracing them, mm. looking into their eyes. And, uh, and I think what, what, uh, what this story is is about like this idea of demons it's not necessarily that those are negative parts of ourselves they're yeah. just parts that we we can bring to light right they're they're there to protect us in a way and so the point is how can i bring this forth and understand why it's there how um how it came to be and and what is it trying to protect me from that's the whole point. What is what is it that I'm so scared about that yeah. you know I have all these barriers and all these ways of um, protecting myself? That's yeah. the and it's uh, it's interesting. I had um, I had a discussion with with um, uh, a guy here called Ben West, who's a mental health campaigner. Um, we discussed this the other day about how the the difference between your way of coping is is marginal that it doesn't one person's way to cope to to run can be through work or be through exercise or be through volunteering or you know things that seemingly I mean they are really brilliant things but someone else's coping mechanism is drugs and alcohol and they they do the same job um this this just this numbing and this protecting from what's actually happening, from what it is inside us that is just like, I often, 
I, I see it as like a like a hand around my spine, just clenching around my heart. These just roots tangled within me. And in my case, I definitely wasn't a surgeon. I was, I was like, I was completely destroyed. And all I was doing was using was using anything, drugs, alcohol, sex, anything, just to try and escape these things. And and I've said this, I've said this many times before in this podcast, but it was only when I entered rehab and everything I had was taken away from me. I mean, everything. I didn't, I wasn't even allowed um, books that weren't specifically prescribed to me. Um, and being left with these demons, essentially. I was put in a room in rehab in rural Spain. And when I got in there, there were just a bunch of demons out there being like, what's up? <laughs> like, what are we going to do? And, and I was so angry. I was so upset, went through all these different phases. And it's one thing that I found quite powerful. And I'm wondering if I can use this analogy and, and how you maybe feel about it. But um, I didn't understand what was going on with me. I thought that the parts, my reaction, that my nervous system worked, I thought that was just who I was. And then I was, I was diagnosed. I had CPTSD, BPD and ADHD and um, depression, anxiety. And it was when I learned their names that I felt I was able to have a discussion with these things. I was able to talk to them. I was able to, and have them talk to each other and start this dialogue and start this healing process. Um, and because before I was just like, who, who are all these people here? I don't know how, I don't know how to talk to you. I don't know who, who are you? You wouldn't you? Like, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And it was only by learning the name that I, in some way, managed to free myself and have a conversation and go, um, and I don't know. And now there are some, there are some of these parts which originally looked so scary and so devilish and demons that were just, that were there. Then I, now I'm like, that's, that's a pretty awesome part of me that I actually really like. I think that's quite, that's kind of really cool. Um, and it's just, it's bizarre how your perspective changes just by, just by having this, by changing, changing tactic by acceptance. And it's done so gently as well. I think when it's done gently, it's just, it's the best way forward. Yeah. And, and I think, um, one of the, one of the things that I've noticed, uh, it, it, well, I didn't have that knowledge at the time. Right. So, so the problem is that there was none of this conversation was ongoing at the time. Uh, there was no, it was really hard to get. That's, that's how I started my own healing journey and my, and my understanding of myself, of things that were happening. And then everything started changing. Right. But one of the things that I see now that helps people the most is understanding that these coping strategy, you know, they may be dysfunctional. They may be, um, they may be something that 
even gets us into a state of unhealth with a diagnosed condition. But they are there for a reason, and they developed out of a mix of, you know, genetic traits, environmental traits, the way we grew up, etc. And they were all ways that uh, shaped how our nervous system learned to cope in those moments to for us to survive. Yeah. And so when you start understanding that, you know, like, this isn't something that, uh, you know, is your fault or that you need to feel ashamed of. This is something that is dysfunctional right now because it's not serving you anymore. But at the time when it first started originating, it was helpful to keep you functioning. And so now that your capacity is expanding and it's growing, now you have a different perspective and you can change that stress response. You can expand uh, and you can understand. And some of the roles of these protective parts um, can be released so that you can start, you know, coping in a different way and addressing stress and and external um, factors in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And acknowledging, um, acknowledging responses, acknowledging patterns and seeing what, what has been helpful and what hasn't been helpful. Um, because in, in the before time, I know that I was definitely just repeating the same thing over and over again, going, maybe this time it will work because it felt so safe. It felt, it felt, it didn't feel, I felt if I did anything else, I'd be putting myself in real danger. Um, even though this, tactic that I've been using had never literally never once proved successful I was still going no it's gonna work it's gonna work because and I think it is really great to acknowledge the um the fact that these things emerge from a place of trying of protection of of self-preservation of these things were actually were created to try and help you even though they are not helpful now that it's there is not you're not you're not trying to, there was no part of you in the beginning that was going, what's going to be the worst thing here? It was your body trying to protect you. Um, one thing uh, that I discovered recently that has actually, that's, that's been quite quite big for me and, I, and I'm still sort of working my way through it, but um, I've always known, I, I was an identical twin um, in the womb and lost my identical twin before birth. Um, and like not that, not like quite far down the line. And um, studies, I've been reading all these studies about women twin survivors and how and there can be a lot of abandonment, a lot of abandonment trouble, a lot of um, feeling like you're not enough, a lot of feeling that uh, uh, there's there's two sides to your personality. There's 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 so much surrounding it, and. Um, so much of it makes sense. And I was like, oh my gosh, that like, we don't know. And you would, I, it, you don't know that you're being informed from that early on. You don't know that you're being. Yeah. In fact, uh, there's, there's actually a lot of research going on, on this, uh, kind of trauma. And, you know, we talk about, um, how epigenetics and, uh, life events really shape how, uh, trauma manifests in our life. And so, uh, for example, I can imagine that, you know, for a mother, especially for me, you know, I, I, I can imagine I, I have, I'm a mom of twins among other things. So, so, uh, having, um, you know, I can't, 
I mean, it just, I can't, I can't even imagine mm. what a woman, a mother must go through mm. uh, losing a, a twin, right? And what, what this creates from an emotional, but also physical perspective and the amount of trauma this can also pass down to, to, to the other child. So I, I can totally understand. Um, and we know uh, that we, we're, we're starting to understand how trauma is also passed down from generations to generations. Yes. And so yes. one of the ways it, it's not actually the event or the, the memory of the trauma that gets passed down, but, but one of the hypotheses is that um, what gets passed down is a sort of sensory sensitivity to things mm-hmm. and um, a sort of stress preparedness. So, when the child is born, it's actually this child is actually carrying not just what happens in the womb, uh, but also what their mother and their grandmother and their you know their ancestors were exposed to. So yeah. again, this this is just the beginning of understanding how these ha- these things happen from a um, you know micro- from a, from a biological perspective. But yeah. we we see that it's happening. So uh, having those pieces and putting together those pieces of our life is something that we can only do, um, you know, in, after we've grown up a little bit and we start putting the pieces together, understanding maybe some of those demons that we carry are not necessarily um, ours, you know, they yeah. are coming from past generations or even from our parents. And so understanding that and accepting it um i think it re- it relieves us of some of the shame some of the um sense of guilt that we may feel about things that are not uh working in our lives so accepting that and going to that level of self compassion is that really the first step to be able to go ahead in that journey it's it's so interesting that you talk about this and we'll talk about generational trauma because it's something that I've been thinking about so much recently because of healing my relationship with my mum for example and she and she's very she will admit it too like we there's never been any I've never not loved her but we did have a very strained relationship and before I went to rehab and I think I've now seen her as a human and seen her for what she went through as well which has been so powerful to not see her as a superhuman. But this thing about generational trauma, there was a story um, that we got told in rehab about a man who was exhibiting all the symptoms of PTSD or CPTSD, um, but seemingly they couldn't find a root cause for, for this trouble. They couldn't find why he was so distressed. He'd had, there'd be no history of abuse. He wasn't, financially struggling he was career-wise he was fine he was in a healthy relationship they couldn't they couldn't discover what it was that was plaguing him so much and then they went back a bit and it turned out both of his parents were holocaust survivors and this trauma this had been passed down into into him and i think it is utterly fascinating Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. How these things that have happened don't purely and merely affect the individual. It's sort of, it's a little bit like the, you know, a butterfly wing flapping and creating something. It's, and why I, I now see the importance as, as well of, of healing, not just for you, but for those, those around you. Absolutely. Um, that's, yeah. that's one of the key things. And, and um, it's important, not just, um, not just for yourself, but because you're changing the the biological matrix around you. Uh, and so whatever um, healing you are able to accomplish within yourself, this has a ripple effect on people around you. Uh, and this isn't just with children, with, you know, with parents and children. This is, you know, with partners, friends. It has a, a huge ripple effect. It affects how we show up as leaders, as um, you know, it's it's really for me, this is like the key message because as a mother of four, for me, one of the biggest problems that we have is um what kind of, of world of planet we're passing down to the generations, right? Yeah. And so if we if we cannot start seeing everything as connected in a real and biological way, it, this is not a spiritual idea only. This is a biological network that we're all part of. And so when we take our own part of healing and really radical self-inquiry and implementing changes in our lives this has a ripple effect not just on ourselves not just on our children but on the generations uh, around us and on the planet so this is this is a, a, a foundational concept of buddhism but it's now becoming a foundational concept of biology as we are we are starting to see that biology is, is really um demonstrating a lot of the things that spirituality mm. uh, and um, you know, traditional ancient cultures have known at an intuitive level for, for thousands of years. So finally, we're starting to bridge that gap and understand why these things work and why our ancestors were able to live in, in harmony with nature. And unfortunately, we aren't. Yeah. So this is a key, a key part of this work, I think. Yeah, and I think it's incredibly important because it becomes a far less holistic equation and therefore so much more tangible and easily accessible to people who maybe um, struggle with that connection, struggle with that kind of, with that belief um, to go, to just sort of look at actual pure and tangible evidence of something is really, really powerful. Um, I know a lot of people who come into um 
coming to AA and and the fellowship of whatever fellowship of better kind. Um, and I definitely did at the start when you know you come in and the word God is like everywhere. <laughs> and I came in being like, I'm like this is not me at all. I went to an all girls, you know, Christian boarding school as well. But um, the the strange evidence that I've been shown of not not God itself, but just of doing something that is outside, something is happening outside of me. And the way I operate, what I what I do, the choices I make affect not only me, but the world in a positive, a positive manner. And affect, and even, I mean, the, uh, my, my niece and my nephew, who I, I love, I love them so much. It's it's a bit silly. I remember when my niece was born, my brother said it was so funny because I came into the room and like leaned over her and went, I will die for you. And he went, It's funny that you said I will die. I will die, not I would die. <laughs> <laughs> I will die for you. Um, I think about them and the kind of world that they are growing up in, and I want to I want them to be as happy as possible I want them to be as safe as possible and what can what can I do to make that happen you know and just the idea of doing service of helping others it's just it's this it's this glorious glorious release um and it's just and it's it's like you can see it and I think that's what so many people struggle with when it comes to healing and stuff that you can't you can't see it. You can't touch it, um, but you can. You can. Yeah, it's. Um, I would say, yeah, it's it's very tangible in the way, as you said, you know, um, a feeling of safety in the world, and also, you know, we know that. Um, also, from a biological perspective, we know that as a human being, we need to connect, like like the the essence of happiness as mm-hmm. we have learn to study is of course not just having our basic needs met and emotional needs met but one of the biggest determinants is can i connect to something that i feel is larger than myself but the problem is when we come to this from a place of um you know of not feeling enough of not feeling okay in our own skin then the risk is it becomes spiritual bypassing. You know, we are trying to, we're trying to, to do something good because we're not feeling good enough. So when we are able to switch to feeling that we are doing this from a place of, you know, fulfillment of our own self, that's when things really start to change. And that's where the, the effect that you can have on other people is, um, you know, it's huge. Yes, yes, yes it's like um the thing of you can only give others what you give your what you give yourself you've got to make sure that you're in this place when you are readily available to give to give what you can and in the best way and I'll sort of apply this liberally to anything I was I did a movie in September and one of the other actresses um we were up on the bus to set and uh, and she was really really upset because she'd made this comment to the director about you know something about the story and she wanted to make sure it was being served and it was being honored and he'd been a bit worried about it or something and she was she was really worried and i went 
And I said to her, but what you said, what you put to him, that was done with really good intentions. You were trying to, you were just serving the story. You weren't doing anything nasty. You didn't insult him. You didn't insult the story. You didn't insult the script. You just went, I've heard this information. This may help you. It's his choice whether he takes it or not. But don't, you don't need to worry and stress because your, your, your intention didn't come from this place of like wanting to avoid or wanting to fix or wanting to do anything. It came from a place of just trying to serve the story. And she said I was very wise. And I was like, well, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, um, when I know that if in the past, when I was really unwell, if I'd tried to do anything, especially if it was something like helping another person or, which I did in like bucket loads. It was done from a place of seeking validation, of seeking reassurance that they were that they were there for me, of trying to imprint myself myself into their life so I was invaluable. It wasn't coming from a place of just going, I'll help you because you need help. It was going like, I'm really important. I promise I can do really good things for you. And it was done with so much tension and so much um, stress. There was no lightness of touch. There was no touching with a feather and going, I'll help you because I can, because I have the tools available, because I have the energetic space available, because I have the love to give. It was done for this strange ulterior, ulterior purpose which was so unhelpful so unhelpful because it meant I ended up doing things in a way that wasn't that wasn't beneficial for me or for the other person um I think uh, I I think the point is that it's 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 not really an ulterior motive it's because we have this unfulfilled need for love right (laughs) so it's it's a place of scarcity of love that we feel for ourselves and that we feel in our life so it's not negative, but when when it comes from that place of scarcity rather than a, from a place of abundance of you know feeling in our power in a, a regulated state, mm. that changes everything. Um, so I I think it's it's also really important to be compassionate towards ourselves when we when we think back. You know that was a time where I was connecting from a place of um, you know of scarcity of love. Yeah, I didn't like desperation. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to give myself and how to let myself see yeah. uh, because I hadn't done the work. And so unfortunately, it, it always comes down to being willing to do the work and as you have seen it's it's hard it's tough you have you have you know back and forth you fall down again and again and again and so it really is not an easy path so we need to be mindful of the fact that um and recognize it's not easy it's it's hard it is not easy it is not easy in any way and i think it is good to remind everybody of that because I certainly felt it the other day. I did um I did uh, a step with my sponsor and like just cried the whole cried the whole way through it. <laughs> I was like, I just I don't know what to do. And she went, you know, it's not easy. And it was such a simple and good reminder to go, when you enter a journey of healing, it is not, it is not 
candlelit baths and spas and, you know, a wild sense of euphoria and pink clouds. It's tough. And it's not, and the main thing for me, like what I remember is like, it's not supposed to be easy. This is not supposed to be easy. We know that this is tricky and that's why it's worth it. And that's how you know it's worth doing because if it was easy, we would have done it ages ago. Of course, it's not easy. And I've learned very much to, I think it's important to mention as well, to really um, forgive forgive the behavior I exhibited when I was in survival mode, when I was very, very unwell, like incredibly unwell um, with a multitude of undiagnosed sort of untreated mental illness. And I had no, no idea what I was doing. I was floundering, completely, completely floundering and nothing was ever malicious. It was just it was, I was just, I was just doing my best with the tools that I had, which were minimal. It was like, it was like trying to climb Everest with a, like a lollipop stick and a pair of ballet shoes. It was like, (laughs) it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I, I made, there are so many things that I did and things that happened that I'm so have been for so long so riddled with shame and and guilt and pain and um but I'm trying to go you didn't you didn't you didn't mean to you were really sick you were really unwell and you were very much fighting for survival um and I had to reparent myself completely in my late 20s um and it's okay. It's okay. And I'm so, and I'm a huge believer in everything happening for a reason now. Um, and I'm now so grateful for what transpired because it did. I don't think I would have had the gumption to begin this journey of healing, to begin the journey of changing my life completely of, you know, acknowledging addiction and and everything. Had I not been literally forced to, had I not been brought to the place where I actually tried to take my own life, where I was miraculously saved to then have to start this journey. I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to start without that. Um, And so I am incredibly grateful for that because it has completely changed my life, like completely. And given me so much perspective and compassion and empathy and love, understanding, awareness and it's amazing. It's, I mean, that's like we said, it's tough. It's, it's, it is not easy. And there are days that suck. There are days that are just terrible. When I was like, I'm sober. I'm meant to be so happy. And I'm like, this is so I, I think, uh, I think the point is always to, is also to remind ourselves that even, you know, even if, I remember one of the things that really helped me uh, when I was going through a lot of the things was seeing my big mentors, my big teachers that I was so completely, you know, uh, like I adored and admired so much. Seeing them struggle with things, it doesn't, it's it's not like you get to a place of enlightenment and you are, you know, better than others. You just learn how to navigate the wave in a way that maybe doesn't 
completely send you, um, uh, you know, like like knocks your head on 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 the bottom of the ocean, you know, like so. So you're you're able to ride that wave a little bit better. You're still gonna fall, uh, but maybe it's not gonna kill you. You know, you're just you're able to restart faster and maybe navigate better that way but it it goes on and so i think it's it's really important to see that um the, the journey never ends it it's never constantly, ends it's constantly um you know working with uh, the demons that you have in your cave at that moment yeah yeah exactly and i think it's why um I mentioned the fellowship quite a lot by why everybody has a sponsor. It doesn't matter how many years you've been sober or how many, how long you've been in the fellowship, you still have a sponsor <laughs> because at the end of the day, we all, we all need someone else. It doesn't get to the point of being like finished, completed it, done. I can teach. I'm now the overseer of this thing. Like you never get to that point because we are constantly learning and things are cropping up that we then have to deal with. And we maybe have a response that we haven't seen before. Um, which we then have to sort of look at and go, where's that coming from? Um, but I think this ever, while it sounds so um, perilous and difficult, and it is hard, this journey, and it, the fact that it is never ending, it's also just so one. It's so wonderful. It's such a relief. It's such a relief to know that. It, it continues and it grows and knowing that these demons are going to come in anyway, regardless of where you're at or what's going on really. And it's just how you choose to approach them is what differs. Yeah. And I, th- I think also one of the things that you understand at a certain point is that you, you you don't have to be alone in that cave. You know, you can get uh, the support of people and you don't have like you're still lovable, even if you show up with your demons. And so you can accept it's OK to get help from other people. It's OK to show up as a very, um, you know, uh, as someone who's doing that work because one of the things that uh we see is that people you know they they want to show a face um of themselves to the world and then it's like it's like an, it's like the tip of the iceberg and then everything is underneath is hidden and um and that's the that's the problem when we bring those parts of ourselves forth we are able to um, attract the kind of people around us who can accept us also with our limits and our struggles. That's yeah. the, that is the big thing that, you know, we want to attract and get the support of people that we are feeling safe showing mm-hmm. all of our sides. Yeah. That is the element of getting support, of getting the help. Yeah, Abs- absolutely, absolutely. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.